Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip tackles questions such as, should I stop adding money to my portfolio at this time? What is the impact of picking the wrong type of advisor? How do you handle questions about a specific company? Is there anything else I should be investing in? Can you give me a stock pick? What are your thoughts on a self-directed IRA? With the answers, here's Philip. All right, another week. This has been an interesting week. This week felt like a month. I was thinking about it the other day. We've only been in quarantine for officially a week, I believe. You know, I think, man, like, now I have to think about it. Spring break was two weeks ago. So, yeah, a week. And it felt like a month. Uh, No, no, wait. This is the second week. This is the second week. But it's felt like a month. So my hope is that through this time, we'll get used to it, adjust It'll make life on the other side a lot easier. Most of the time, things that bring pain does make you stronger. And so I'm using the time to learn, study more. I'm actually working out more and watching a lot less TV, which sounds weird. But I have all the time in the world to be lazy and watch TV, but I'm working out and learning more and watching less TV. And my normal business hasn't changed. Like During business hours, I'm still pretty busy by the nature of what I do. But my lean time is spent learning and and watching TV, so that'll be a good thing. I think it's going to force the world to come into the 21st century and start using technology the way that technology should have been being used. So I think that'll be a, a positive as well. But let's get into the first question. Cause I, lo- I have a lot of good questions that I was asked this year. First question. Should I stop adding money to my portfolio at this time? Quick answer is no. Going back to what I've said in previous episodes, the, the most important part of investing is taking out emotions. And the best way to take out emotions is to have a well thought out process that you follow in good times and in bad times. And so I want to give, I've said that before, but I want to give something to the person who asked this question that's a little bit different than what I always say. And so the thing is, here's the exact process process is you look at your long-term goal and you figure out how much money you need in the future to reach that goal. And so let's for sake of simplicity say retirement is the goal because that's most people's goal. So you figure out how much you need to save for retirement. You figure out how much you have right now. And then you can run some math to run different returns. But I would I would consider a, a conservative return, right? Consider, say, hey, if I can be aggressive because I, l- I have a lot of time what did aggressive portfolio earn over the last 30, 40, 50 years? And then let me be conservative. Maybe say, I'm going to assume 70% of that return and plug that into your calculator and figure out how much you got to save to close the gap between how much you have saved now and what you need in the future. And by doing that, it lets you know that, all right, you're, you're already conservative on the return and if you look at the returns over 30, 40, 50 years, there's been some booms and busts in those periods of time. And so that average return is a relatively robust return because it, it has those factored in. The booms and the busts are factored into that average return that you used. And then you went even more conservative on it uh, when you assumed it. So that should give you some comfort. I personally use for clients something called a Monte Carlo simulation where I can run a thousand different random return streams and come up with a more probable outcome, uh, but you can do this on the back of a paper napkin to get a conservative return to run it and then just know, all right, so I can only control what I can control, which is how much I invest every single month. 
and then just do that. And the cool part about you continuing to invest right now, if you built your plan appropriately, or you know how much you have to invest, is when the market is down, if you're not retired, and you don't, and you, especially if you don't plan to retire for the next five years or longer, you're actually buying assets on sale. And so I would reverse the way you're looking at it and saying, hey, if I can buy more assets on sale, that's a good thing. If you wanted to buy a house that was 400000 and you love the house and nothing changed, still great school district, still great area, still good square footage, the house is still functional uh, the way you wanted it, and it dropped to from 400 to 300 you'd buy, right? So think about your portfolio the right way. Your America still America. The world is still the world. If you have a global portfolio, the world didn't change much. We just temporarily went on a pause, which took down asset prices. And so you're able to acquire shares of of your portfolio, of your globally diversified portfolio, which it should be uh, cheap. So that's a long way to say, keep it going. Don't stop. All right, next question. What is the impact of picking the wrong type of advisor? Here's how this question came about. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to even say any companies because the people that are local know me and they'll figure this out. But I have a friend who's a financial advisor with a well-known company, but he's an advisor like, like most advisors where he gets paid a commission to sell products. So I'm a fee-only advisor, a wealth manager. My clients pay me a fee for financial planning and they pay me a asset management fee for managing their portfolio uh, with with my portfolios on the platform we're on. We don't sell products. Our it's objective point of view, and in our models. And I'm giving you background for a reason. You'll understand when I get into the conversation. So, for example, if I have a, in Stonehill Wealth Management aggressive models, if I have a client invested in that model, when I change the model it changes it for all of my clients in that model. So if something happens in the economy where the trend changes, trend goes from slow growth period to recession, we're not going to get totally out of the market because that's not cool. But you may take a more defensive portfolio and make the adjustment. And so it'll already be done. And so when my when my clients call me, three days after the adjustment or two days after the adjustment or a week after the adjustment and say, hey, what do you think we should do? They have comfort in knowing that it's already done. We've already made the adjustment in the models and they love that. Let's contrast that with the conversation I was having with my buddy who's an advisor who has you know, similar amount of clients as I do. And he was telling me, he's like, hey, Philip, I'm so upset right now because home office is ignoring the fact that we're in a recession. They're telling our clients to just Tell them everything's going to be okay, blah blah blah. Which which it is going to be okay in the long term. Don't don't get me wrong. But if you're an advisor for as long as he and I have been, and he is a student of the market, so he knows how to build a defensive portfolio. The problem is he has to call each of his 100 clients and say, "Hey, this is your portfolio. Here's another idea. What do you think we should do?" And then they're asking him. What do you mean? What, what, what do you think I should do? Well, I can only educate you because they're not a fiduciary, right? He's a salesperson. They're not really advisors in the term of truth thinking advisor. It's more of an educator or they can explain what your options are and you got to make the decision. So imagine, and not, not even imagine, this is what he was going through when the market's doing what it's doing and he's talking to his clients and they're nervous and they're asking him for guidance and what to do, and he's not able to give them direct guidance. He, he, all he's able to do is say, hey, here's what I think you should do. 
or here are your options. You have to choose what to do. Now, there are some advisors who are not fiduciaries who will give advice, which is not legal. Um, but he's a by the book guy. He doesn't want to, you know, he did it according to the rules that he's under for the type of advisor he is. But that just was a bad situation for him, bad situation for a client. And that, in my opinion, put a client in a situation where since you don't, you can't give them a good direction, they got to make the decision and they're emotional and the market's going crazy. That's just a terrible conversation. I would not want an advisor like that. If I'm paying somebody something to give me advice on my money, I want you to tell me what you think I should do. If if I want education, I can go to Charles Schwab. You can go to Charles Schwab or J.P. Morgan. They're way cheaper than these high-cost, commission-based salespeople, and they can educate you like 24 hours a day most, <laughs> most of the time because that's why whenever you call into a Charles Schwab or a Fidelity, they're not going to give you advice. They're going to just educate you on what you can do. A lot of people don't know. They're overpaying for that with these big box house old stock brokerage firms to turn themselves into quote-unquote financial planners, but they're salespeople. And they've been getting by charging crazy commissions for decades, and they're not really giving advice is what people want. By the way, what I'm not doing is saying one is better than the other. What I am saying is either you want an advisor, which that's not it, or you want a commission-based person and the big box wirehouses of the world, the I don't want to call. I don't want to be tacky. But you know what I'm talking about. They knock on your door to ask you about your investments or they're cold calling you to sell you different products. Those people, you can just go directly to a, a discount broker like a Charles Schwab or, and I'm not recommending them, or Fidelity. And they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to give you education. They're not going to give you advice. They're going to give you education. And they're going to do it for cheap. Mo- Charles Schwab and J.P. Morgan and Fidelity, they're doing for certain types of trades, no commission. And so it's important to understand the difference because there's a lack of knowledge in the non-professional market. These business platforms um, continue to exist, but I think it's really important for you to understand the two. Pick one, but if it's if it's advisor, make sure you got a real advisor who's objective and is paid a fee for advice. If it's a commission-based person, then I would go discount route because the expensive commission people are not giving you anything that you can't get from a discount broker. That's my two cents. All right, next question. And this is this is the type of question that I get often either in person or through my DM in, on Instagram or through Messenger on Facebook, but it'll be something to the effect of... Hey, Philip, how do you handle questions about a specific company? Most of the time, I don't even, I've never even heard of the company. Sometimes I've heard of the company, but... I go back to this analogy, right? One of my favorite books is called Richest Man in Babylon. And in The Richest Man in Babylon, it's a story of this young, I think he's like a prince or something, maybe not a prince, but this young guy who's learning about money in life. His dad accumulated a lot of money and gave him some tablets uh, to learn. Those were like books back in the day to take the lessons that he learned about money. And he gave him some money. The, The son blew the money and then accumulated it back. But in one of the stories of how he blew the money, Basically, he took an investment advice from like a brick maker. And the, the moral of that part of that little story was, why would you talk to a brick maker about investment advice? Right. So, you know, so if if the person who's giving you advice is not an investor, not a good investor, has no track record of being a good investor, but they're just giving you a hot tip that they heard from somebody else that they heard from somebody else. Why would you even take that information serious? Like, I don't take medical advice from people who aren't medical professionals. It doesn't make any sense. 
I don't take podcasting advice from people who've never done a podcast. One of my biggest pet peeves are all these experts that are on the internet now, and I'm using experts in air quotes because they became experts in the last 24 months. Because if you go back and look at their posts and all that five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, they weren't up there. And they'll put in there, oh, I've been investing for so many years. I'm like, man, that's, that's BS. No, you haven't. You just want to sell some courses. Or the people who are giving you the tips, they just want to seem cool. But I'm telling you, for to help save you a lot of potential money, don't listen to people who don't know what they're doing. And by the way, an expert doesn't have to be somebody with a license. If you know somebody in your family who's accumulated a lot of money because they've invested over 20, 30 years and they know it, that's an expert. But what you'll find is experts, people who are good at what they do, they don't give stock tips because they understand investing is more about the process than the individual stock pick. I use the analogy of, of health. Everybody wants to be healthy, but they want the shortcuts. They want the perfect diet plan. They want to be able to eat what they like to eat all the time and not work out. And they look for the magic pills. There's literally a trillion-dollar industry selling magic pills to people who believe it, but it doesn't really work. And so investing, think about it. If your investing plan was built on you picking the best stocks out of 20,000-plus stocks that are out there, and most of them don't even outperform the, the average stock in the stock market, which you can buy through a simple index fund. So if most stocks don't even beat broad-based, well-diversified global index funds out of 20,000, what's the likelihood of you or somebody you know telling you about that stock and it being right? Let me, let me, let me help you with that. It's, it's a super low probability that it's going to be right. And if, but if that's the center of your plan, like if your plan is depend, if, if your long-term financial outcome is depending on you selecting the, the small amount of stocks that are going to potentially do well over time, like, that's a terrible strategy, just straight up. You need to get a new one. But I definitely would also not take advice from people who don't know what they're doing. And I'm, what I'm saying again is people who do know what they're doing will say, won't give you stock tip advice. They won't give you stock tips. They won't, they won't say that. And so save yourself some time. Save yourself some heartache. It is really not that hard. It's about a process. You get a good process. You follow the process. You think long term. You have faith in the future. You be patient. You be disciplined. And over time... There's a super high probability based on like history, all the history we have, that you'll be fine. Don't go against history. All right, next question. Is there anything else I should be investing in? So this was a question to give context. I had a client who was adding some more money, and we already had a portfolio appropriate to their financial plan and their financial goals, and adding money would enhance the plan because it's investing more money. And so the question was, hey, like outside of the portfolio, you told me, is there any better ideas? And so I had to walk her through, walk her back through the fact that here's the process. Build the plan, get a long-term portfolio appropriate for your plan, diversify, and you add money to the plan. If there was something better, I would have told you. And, and, what I, and, and to go a little deeper, something like 95 97% um, 93%, somewhere in the 90% of your return comes from having the portfolio built right. It's not stock selection. It's not marketing timing. Is is the portfolio appropriate for your plan? And making more money is only a function of 
how much uncertainty or volatility, right? People equate volatility with risk. That's not the case. And I might get into that in another question, but volatility is uncertainty, meaning bonds are more certain than stocks. So over time, they've historically earned less. Taken out of the investment world, on average, business owners make more money than employees on average because business owners take more uncertainty. That's just the rule of the universe. If you want to make more money in your portfolio, it's not superior market timing or superior stock selection. It's dealing with more uncertainty, right? How do I increase the uncertainty in my portfolio? Meaning what we know is that smaller, newer companies are more uncertain than larger established companies. So if you want to increase the return, maybe we add some more of those to it, right? If you want to increase the return, you need to add, you want to, you can actually even measure volatility, which is a whole other conversation, but you can say, hey, these are, these boring stocks are more stable because they have dividends. Let me add to my portfolio some things that are more volatile intentionally. And if that's appropriate with your risk tolerance and your time frame, and you can diversify to mitigate the risk of blowing up, the far end of the spectrum of increasing volatility is buying, <laughs> putting all of your money in one company that's relatively new. And that's the, you know, that's the far end of it, but you can lose everything. So, so there's a spectrum and you want to be thoughtful about how you do it. You, you want to increase the uncertainty without putting yourself at risk of blowing up your whole portfolio. But if you want to increase the return, it's portfolio engineering versus picking a better investment. And I'm doing that in air quotes. And so as I explained that to her, she said, oh, no, I don't want to increase volatility. I'm good with what I got. Again, it goes back to the magic pill example I talked about in, in, in health. Everybody wants to um, be healthy, but they don't want to do the workout and to go through all the pain day in, day out of it. So people want the magic pill of investment, but they don't want the volatility that comes with it. I'm like, if you want something, if you want to make more money, we can do that, but it's going to require more volatility. There, There is no shortcuts. There is no shortcuts. I, I said that in my last podcast episode last week. Everybody wants shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Stop looking for them. All right, next question. This question, this next question is more for fun. Hey, Philip, can you give me a stock pick? My answer is always no. So if you listen and you're tempted to ask me for a stock pick, I'm going to tell you no. And I'm going to ask you to reference the last two questions. Next question. What are your thoughts on a self-directed IRA? You don't need an advisor for a self-directed IRA because by definition, it's self-directed, meaning you're, you're going to be the one directing the investments. And so there's no reason for you to pay for somebody advice that's going to be able to it's going to do it. Typically, it's used for like real estate and real estate investors will use it. But I don't set them up because there's no reason for you to take advice from me. There are specialty brokerage companies. So these are companies that will hold uh, your IRA or custody your IRA. But that's separate from an advisor in a self-directed situation. For the most part, you're going to be directing the investment. So you don't need an advisor for that. Um, but I thought this was a good question to put on the podcast episode because I get that I get that question at least once a quarter for like the last few years and I just want to formally put the answer out that, that I always say over and over and over again to help somebody. So you don't need an advisor for a self-directed IRA. It's self-directed. Just find a specialty custodian for those. I think there's one based out of Dallas, but there's a few of them across the nation. Find them and you do the work and you make the investment and you don't need me for that. I'm going to leave with a parting thought. 
it's a quote that I shared on LinkedIn the other day. In this quote, it's only a few words, but it's everything in investing. And I knew when I posted it, I wasn't going to get a bunch of likes. I don't post for likes. I post for two reasons, just so y'all know. I post so I can go back a couple of years from now and pull it back and show people I told you so. And then I post the other times just because I'm going to think it might help somebody, even if, if, if one person. But then there's times where I just post just because I need it. I want to be able to reference it back in the day. And if I put it out there, I, I got to make sure I follow it. And so this post was one that was more just reminding myself, but I knew a lot of folks were not going to get it. And the post said, it's from Nick Murray. Nick Murray is like an advisor to advisors. He has a great newsletter. He wrote one of the best books that I've read on investing called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. It's actually, side note, like sold out this week, which has never happened in 10 years. I've been reading this stuff, but I guess with everything going on, everybody, advisors will like buy his book and give them to clients. Um, so you can get on the waiting list. It's not going to be any available till April. You can try to buy the used versions on Amazon, but they like jumped up. They like double the normal price. They were like 50, 60 bucks on Amazon. Here's the quote. All successful investing is a battle between one's need for certainty and one's tolerance for ambiguity. And in that quote is everything you need to know for investing. I would like write that down 10 times, read it over and over and over again until your heart understands it. Because that's that is the game, folks. That is the game. Y'all enjoy your day and your week. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.